You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. From the AfterBuzz studios in Los Angeles, California, and streaming live on Ustream, this is AfterBuzz TV for Once Upon a Time. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest Once Upon a Time news and gossip. If you'd like to buzz in on tonight's show, you can buzz us at 424-256-1729. That's 424-256-1729. And now, picking up where the show leaves off and the buzz continues, it's After Buzz TV for Once Upon a Time. Welcome to After Buzz TV. TV's Once Upon a Time. This is your host, Jason Parsley, Editor-in-Chief, South Florida Gay News. With me here tonight are my usual cohorts, Mike Rothman from Hollywood.com. And Meredith Stebbin. Hey, guys. So, tonight's episode, episode 11, True North. Tonight we saw the um, backstory of Hansel and Gretel. And we saw actually a lot of... um, Good tidbits for the future. I, I generally, I definitely liked this episode. I thought it was a great um, episode. I was kind of started off. I was like, Cancel and Gretel. How's this going to fit in? We haven't seen these characters. I'm not attached to them, so I'm not sure if I'm going to like it. Yeah, I love this episode, and I loved how it deviated from the original story from the Brothers Grimm. That it played in really well. I liked it. Uh, I mean, I know Jason liked it because the Queen was pretty uh, prominent. But I, I liked it, and, and you're right. They tied it in well, and they really tied it in with the whole, which we'll get into later on, the whole father's thing and, and the, you know, the abandoned kids, which ties into almost the whole entire cast. Yeah, I guess it, it keeps the show fresh, not focusing on the same characters every single week. It's very reminiscent, of course, of Lost. The creators of the show are also the creators of Lost, and so Lost would, you know, every few episodes would totally deviate and focus on characters that, you you know never even saw before, and these backstories that they would weave in so seamlessly. So we're going to start tonight's um, After Buzz episode with Meredith. She's going to tell us a little bit about the history of Hansel and Gretel. Sure. So obviously it was uh, the Brothers Grimm first wrote it in 1812. There is a few different variations. It's also known as Little Brother and the Little Sister not to be confused with Brother and Sister, which is also another fairy tale written by the Grimm's. Um, in the original version, it's a woodcutter, a poor woodcutter, and his um, wife who decide that they need to get rid of their son and daughter because they cannot afford them. It's actually the mother who decides that they should no longer live with them and, and take all their food. So they come up with a plan that they're going to leave the son and daughter in the woods. And Hansel and Gretel overhear this one night. Um, and Hansel is actually the one who steps up and sneaks out in the middle of the night, steals some white pebbles. The next day, they're taken out into the woods and left for dar- uh, left in the dark. 
and Hansel has left the pebbles behind. Eventually, they find their way home. Again, the mother, in the, in the original story, I don't know if you guys know this, it's actually their mother. It wasn't their stepmother. But as the stories you know, were rewritten and retold, they decided that the mother was way too harsh, so they changed it to the stepmother. Which, which actually, you know, is a um, very typical... I guess that's where we get our the, the evil stepmother from mm-hmm. because so many of the stories have evil stepmothers. And so I guess it's a good thing they changed to stepmother because it, that's really cruel. We don't have know? our mother instead of our stepmother. <laughs> yeah, the evil mother. So the second time uh, Hansel and Gretel weren't so lucky, Gretel decided that he would um, leave breadcrumbs behind since he was unable to get pebbles because his stepmother had locked them in the house. So the birds obviously got to those breadcrumbs before Hansel and Gretel could find their way home. They were led by a white bird to a cottage, which ends up being the witch's cottage, the witch with red eyes, who is somewhat blind. And the cottage, as we know, was made of bread, cake, and sugar. And what you mentioned also, that the white dove, white ends up being pretty prevalent in the backstory when we're doing our research there was the, the, the pebbles shown white with the moon, and then the, they kept looking back. I think in the original story was the mother asked why when he was dropping the pebbles, do you keep looking back at the house? And he said, I'm looking at my white cat on the roof or something like that. And then, again, the white dove, and then there's another white creature that comes up later on. And you pointed out something during the, sh- during the show that you saw when, they, when we were getting to this, obviously, with the, the show. Uh, we're just doing the story now with the, the white crest toothpaste that um, the kids were shoplifting, which I thought was a great catch for like a hidden egg. It's pretty interesting that white, obviously like, you know, white, pure, good. So um, yeah. And then they get to the evil witch's house and I'm sure you'll continue here. And the witch forces Hansel into a cage like creation in hopes to eat both of the children. Hansel, like I said before, is the one to outsmart the witch and she is trying to plump, plump him up, but instead um, has a chicken bone. And every time the witch pokes her hand in, uh, she feels a chicken bone instead of Hansel. Eventually, the witch wants to eat Hansel, no matter how skinny he is. And basically, Gretel is the one to outsmart the witch by tricking her into getting into the oven that she plans to put Hansel in. And kills the witch, <laughs> and they are free. They head off into the woods, and I think their last obstacle is a river in which, again, a white bird uh, carries them across the river, and they get back to their father's home to find out that their stepmother has died, which she dies around the time that the witch dies, so up in the air as to whether they were actually the same people, and they live happily ever after like most fairy tales. Another thing that uh, at the end of the story, they steal all the witch's jewels before they leave her in the fire to burn. And my thing was, like you said, to live happily ever after. My first reaction was, how do they forgive the scumbag dad? I know he was coerced and everything, and I know we're going to get into the Grimm's obsession with uh, you know, fathers and the patriarch later on. But how do you just forgive? The, like, there was no... I mean, in, in today's society, that would just be such a huge thing. And the kids would never forgive the father. You know, on the show, we're going to get into this. I'm sure Jason's definitely delve into this deeper. But 
uh, I know the story, you know, it's a fairy tale, but wow, how far fetched to just forgive the father, give him the jewels. I told Meredith earlier when we were, we were, you know, looking this up, I was like, I would take the jewels, go live on my own and, and tell the father to, you know, take a hike. I agree. That is a pretty scumbag move. I mean, and in the original story, they don't even try to come up with some, the father was tricked or anything. It was just, he was convinced to give up the children so he could um, find or could they could feed themselves, which most parents would just, I mean, even if you gave up one kid, I guess you could, I could see. <laughs> one is better than two. Well, no, think about it. You give up one of the children. So the other one at least can can live a healthy life and 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 live because otherwise if you get if you keep both of them everyone dies. Or the parents give up food because they can probably sustain life longer. Well, no, but as as a father, you have to stay healthy and strong in order to go and try to find more food and 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 get firewood and keep the family safe and strong. If they're not strong, the kids can't be strong. It's sort of like when you're on the airplane; they always tell you to the adult to put on the air mask first in order that you can protect the children. So I could see them, I could see giving up one to save the whole family. Well, doesn't Obama have like a health care reform? So they'd be fine now if it was, you know, this day and age. Perhaps. <laughs> so ABC Steak on the story? Yeah, go ahead, Mike. So we wanted to, our next point, obviously we wanted to see where ABC delved away from the story, which there was many, many different things, obviously, which, which they had changed up a little bit. Uh, uh, the kids were found by the queen, and they, she's the one who actually goes to the kids and shows the kids where to get to the gingerbread house in, in this aspect. And there's no mother at the beginning, so there's no evil stepmother, which is interesting. That was missing from the story. And the queen wants something from this other evil witch who is also blind, but, you know, one little thing that she has blue eyes, not red eyes, like in the Grimm's fairy tale. Another big aspect that was different was the girl is the brave one in, in this, you know, tale throughout the episode, even in the real life, it's, it's Storybrooke. The girl's always the one telling the boy, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Don't worry. And the boy is kind of a wit to the end. I mean, <laughs> I mean, in the story, it's the girl that's, that's the one that's scared, and she finally steps up and, and has courage at the end by throwing the the, uh, the witch in the fire. And then finally, obviously, the, the biggie. The biggie is the kids stole the apple, which is in the satchel from the evil uh, witch for the queen. We all know what that's going to. That's the apple for Snow White, and the queen really wants her revenge. And we find out that there was no stepmother, and the father wasn't on it either. The father was kidnapped by the queen, to set these kids up to go in and, and, and take that. So a lot of differences there, and ABC really had a unique, fresh take on this, and uh, it, was, it was nice to see. At one point, I actually thought that the woodcutter and the evil queen might have some sort of love connection when she asked why the two kids you know, didn't want to go live with her. There wasn't a weird moment when she's like, why did they reject me? And I think she had a tear in her eye. She did. She kind of showed her heart yeah. there. She was kind of tearing up, and um, that goes into the whole, you know, her storyline of she's this evil witch, but she has a heart underneath it all. And she did actually want to keep the children. She did want to take care of them and perhaps raise them, maybe not in the best motherly way, but she did seem to say, you know what, you've proven yourselves. Let me take you in. And, of course, she'd obviously mentioned she just threw in there this nugget of information where 
<laughs> Hansel and Gretel were the first kids to succeed. <laughs> um, therefore, she had sent many others to their death at the blind witch's house. And the blind witch, um, for those that don't know, is Emma Caulfield. She is most famous for her role in Buffy the Vampire Slayer as Anya Jenkins. <laughs> what? I just, I just think it's a funny name. Anya Jenkins, yes. She plays Anya Jenkins. And she's known for one of the things, I guess, in the Buffy is that she's always changing her hair color and style. Oh, I remember who that character is. I have nothing really vital to add to that, but I remember who that character is. Meredith, do you remember her? In the TV series. Yes. Yeah, I do. Um, and, but she got her start at, out at Beverly Hills uh, 90210. She played Brandon Walsh's girlfriend, Susan Keats. I don't remember that girlfriend. I did watch that show, though. Any memories coming up? No? <laughs> I remember. All I remember is the crazy one. Remember the one that burnt, like, the float they made? And funny thing is, she was my favorite of all the girlfriends. I loved her. The crazy Valentine. one? Emma, um, Emily Valentine. <laughs> I remember her. She was nuts. Love her. I love crazy women. You really do. You love the queen a lot. I love the um, queen, and I loved when she was um, using her magic. You don't get to see that too often thus far. That was that was badass. That was our next thing. You want to expand on that? Like, what kind of magic did we see? Because that was another thing that we finally saw. The queen's been in the fantasy land or, you know, a fairytale land. She's been pretty tame and just using her cunning ability. You mentioned there was a couple of things we saw that showed her, her uh, magic. Yeah, she was. She captured the kids and the and the roots coming out, and then at the end, she whirled them away in some sort of you know faux tornado. And we also saw her limits, though. She wasn't able to break the spell to get to the blind witch's house, which men, means that she certainly has limits at that point. I guess later on, when she takes the is it the black curse or the dark curse? The I think it's, yeah, the dark curse. The dark curse that sends everyone to Storybrook. I think it's really interesting the way they keep swapping these powers and curses and whatnot. We saw uh, the apple, and we saw in episode two, I think it was, with with Munificent or Munificent? Malnificent, sorry. Um, uh, Munificent actually means a good person, but uh, Malnificent, remember she said the sleeping curse didn't work, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, and they keep swapping powers, and then I'm sure, I guess the queen is the one overall, it's the, the, the biggest badass of all the, all the witches, but it's interesting how they have the different spells where they're kind of holding it or waiting to use it, and then, oh, the queen scoops in and takes the sleeping card. It's, it's really cool how they weave this all together. I agree. And what's our next talking point? Fathers. Fathers. That's huge. Well, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm Fathers is obviously a big theme throughout, which it was also in the Grimm's. The Grimm's had a huge obsession with the patriarch and, and fathers, and the evil person was always the witch, like we're seeing even here. And we've seen like a big... Yeah, we never see the evil stepfather. It's always the no. evil stepmother. Even on this episode, the father ended up doing good at the end and coming back and saving the kid. Yeah, even though he was the one that originally left. Yeah. Of course. Well, I don't think he... In Storybrooke, I don't think he actually abandoned the kids so much. as I don't think he knew about the kids. You know, the wife got pregnant, never told the father. And that was the big, um, the, you know, the difference in the, in the real fairy tale. Obviously, 
in the real world, it wouldn't have worked so much if we had if it had said that the father just abandoned his children to, for food or something. It wouldn't work quite as well. So him not knowing he had children worked out a lot better. And then he his dilemma of not taking the children what lasted a day at most. Yeah, he he came around when he saw the kids. It was kind of like a magical thing. He saw them and was like, no, no, don't take them to Boston. It's you know, I'll take care of them. And then, so that, obviously that's the dad, and then also Henry's dad, which is, you know, Emma, which we saw her lie to Henry. Now, did you actually think that was a true story? No, you saw her pause. We could yeah. tell. I didn't think it was a true story because I thought at some point his father is going to play a role in this film, in this series. Whether it's this season or next season, he's going to play some role at some point. And for him to be dead... That would that would leave so many storylines unresolved. Or I thought maybe it could be true for a second because maybe he'll come back from the dead type thing. Because you know, in Storybrooke, anything can happen. Yeah, she lied and said that he was a a, um, a fireman and he died saving a family from an apartment and he was a real hero and blah blah blah. But obviously, we know that's not true, and and she admits that to Snow White. And now the only thing she says is Henry's father was no hero. So that's all we know for sure. Probably a bad guy. We'll, we'll find out about him soon. And then um, the queen. We, you know, just to, to obviously go in the same theme of fathers. But I don't think he's probably a bad guy. He's probably bad in the sense that he's redeemable, though. He's redeemable. Yeah. I bet you he comes back to Storybook to try to, to like, you know, make amends. Or he's, I bet you the queen probably lures him back and says, like, oh, come, come be with your son. I, I just found out that... Uh, Henry's your son. I'd like you to reunite with Emma and blah, blah, blah. The one father we didn't hear about, though, in this episode was the Queen's father. Even though, even though the Queen's father, that was very important in the first few um, episodes when she killed her own father, obviously, but obviously also seemed to love him, too, at the same time. But we didn't hear anything about that in this episode. Yeah, there's not really many bad guys. And, I mean, obviously, R- Rumple is kind of evil, but, I mean, it, it seems like the theme is fathers always are there for their children. Even Rumpel, even when he does, and we saw last week, Rumpel was completely, he turns into a completely, you know, powerful, wielding, uh, you know, devil kind of creature. Even then, he, he's doing it for his son. So it seems like the fathers are always out for their children, are, are there to kind of, they don't abandon their children like the stepmothers and, and the Grimms across the board. Yeah, and we learned about Emma's family, her backstory, a little bit about her backstory without flashbacks. We learned that she was in foster care for 16 years and that's why she was so, she wanted so bad to find the father and reunite the kids with their father because of her own story. So even though we can't see her story through flashbacks because she doesn't have a, a parallel story in the, in the enchanted forest, I think um, this is how they're telling her story is through these other characters, her connection to them, like with Cinderella, for instance. We also saw um, the way she felt so, I guess, um, that she needed to help these people. I find it it extremely interesting from a realistic perspective, not just the show. Uh, Jennifer Morrison, who plays Emma, was known for her her role on House, and that was her character's biggest uh, theme throughout, was that she was always trying to help and change people. And that was like her attraction to men. She married a guy who was, had terminal cancer and she knew he had terminal cancer when they got married. And then she even found an attraction to house 
who, if you watch the show, is completely broken, and he's yeah, he's just you know he's he's a genius, but he's completely he'll he'll never be happy. But she wants to all, always fix guys and fix men and fix people and that kind of thing. I think you're right. <clears throat> I think we definitely um, was confirmed tonight that Mr. Gold knows far more than he's telling us when he when he looked at the um, when he told Emma who the children's father was with the blank card uh, and, you know, it showed that he was looking at a blank card, which I don't think there's any doubt that he definitely knows that about Storybrooke and whatnot. My first thought, sorry, I'm eating a lifesaver. My first thought was that Mr. Gold lied to her to go collect a debt or something. And then when he ended up, the guy, Michael Tillman ended up really being the father that's when the you know the light bell kicked off, and I'm looking at my notes and it says "gold knows" like with three exclamation points. He he's got obviously he knows, he knows. I, I, you say a lot more. I think he knows everything. I think he he set up the curse in motion, and I think that was the big uh, thing that to keep people well, guessing. And it kind of seemed like, in a, in a brilliant way, they they made it not dramatic. There was no music. There was no like bum bum bum. They showed the card, but. I'm sure a lot of people who weren't really paying full attention, but I was like, oh, he did some lie, but he, that's a huge part in the series now that Mr. Gold knows he's just as powerful. And wow, I, we're going to see some big time clash between him and the queen coming up. Cause those two are, they're, they're playing a puppet show here and we'll see what happens with this whole thing. They've orchestrated here with the with Storybrooke. And for the time being, him and Emma are somewhat on a, Talking, yeah. talking level. Yeah, he, he, she said, what's his price? And he goes, you know. Forgiven but not forgotten, basically. Yeah. It's tolerable. Tolerable, yeah. <laughs> well, Mr. Gold wanted forgiveness, and she just conceded to uh, tolerance or, or whatnot. Yeah, I do think Mr. Gold knows. I, I don't know if he knows everything, but it's clear he knows something. It is interesting, though, What's his connection yeah. to this storyline? Because in Cinderella, he was connected, remember, to Cinderella. Whereas this one, he wasn't so much connected in the fairy tale world. We didn't see him at all. So I wonder if he has some unknown connection. And I also, what do you think about the compass? Like, in the original story, there was no compass. Mm-hmm. So, but they focused a lot on the compass yeah. for some reason. What what did that have to do with anything? I just think it was the the moral compass, maybe, and the family will always, you know, they kept using the quote that we're family will always find each other, and that was the main thing. They kind of threw in the nice little moral of the story, you know, Disney style. And at the end, in Storybrooke, the compass started working again with yeah. the the two kids saw the father. Another show of magic and how, and it, it, we 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 were saying this. I had to write it down. Like no one really, I guess no one really can leave. Um, because they were going to leave, and it wasn't even like it wasn't even like a freak accident, like the wolf blocking the road or someone getting hurt or whatever. It was just they were trying to leave, and Emma made the decision. So, whether or not you think so, decisions also show that you can't leave. You know, so obviously the kids didn't leave, and they're still there. And the father, you know, they're coming back to Storybrooke instead of going to Boston. And then even Henry said he's like something bad's going to happen, and she stopped it. So she made even her making that conscious decision shows that people can't leave, and you know it's magic and. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is interesting that they no one can leave, but the queen 
wanted them to leave. And the queen obviously knows who they are, knew who they were, and she was pushing to get them out of Storybrooke. But if she knows they... That's an interesting point. Like, but if she knows they can't leave, then what does that tell you? I don't know. I'm baffled. I think it's, it's a great... I, I was thinking that earlier, but I'm glad you brought that up. I'd forgotten about it. That's a great point. What, why? There's really... Yeah, Why? The only thing I can think is that she knows that something bad will happen, so maybe she was thinking that Emma. if something bad would happen, Emma, if Emma tries to take them away, then they'll, all three might get into a car accident and die or get eat, eaten by a cannibalistic blind witch. <laughs> hey, what, what, what's the tie with that? There's always this cannibalistic, and you were saying it's like very sexy, where the, 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 the witch, who obviously some Buffy, was like really sensual, and she's like, oh, I'm, you're my dinner here. Yeah, there's definitely a. <laughs> I never thought of cannibals as sexy, but the blind witch definitely made cannibalism sexy tonight. She brought the sexy on, right? Come on. She pulled the Timberlake and brought the sexy back. She was looking good. That low cut dress she had on. But no, the way she, like, what was it, licked her finger? I'm like, oh, oh. <laughs> I, I would eat a cupcake for her. <laughs> what was it? I, what? I'm kind of hungry right now. Something. What tasted treats we find? We saw cupcakes, cookies. I think there was a tree. A tree of macaroons. I thought no. I thought it was chocolate but Oreo. Uh, I think it was macaroons. Macaroons are more round. They were really flat at one end. Back to the sexy witch, though. Oh, okay. Disney is so um, sexual. Sexual, but instead of having you know the scary looking witch like the original stories, I mean it's the lesser of two evils. Instead, it's like this sexed up witch. That is true. It, Which would be worse, a, a terrifying witch that kids would have nightmares about, or this sexy woman? Yeah, no one's gonna have no one's gonna have a nightmare about her. You know, if they would have a different type of dream about her. <laughs> oh, wow, wow. <laughs> so you're right. All the the old hags or the old witches, the old ugly whatever, they're all sexy. All three of the witches have been very sexy. I have a little crush on the main queen. I think she's sexy. And the dress she was wearing when she was talking to, uh, inviting the kids to stay, I was like, ooh, what, can we see a slip going on Black here? Black Was the evil, was the queen in the original Snow White story, was she ugly? She I, wasn't ugly. She, she was, the yeah, she wasn't the fairest. Oh, that's no. true. She that's was right. beautiful until Snow White reached a certain age, and then Snow White was the fairest. Yes, that's true. She was the fairest of all, but... She was very cold, obviously. Very. The new love interest. Oh, well, actually, that's a part of the um, special segment, which we will get to right after commercial break. After Buzz TV. Hi, I was once like you, a lazy, angry loner whose only joy was watching TV and surfing the net. And like you, after I'd see one of my favorite TV shows, I'd be so excited and have so many questions that I'd actually have to talk to my douchebag coworkers about it at the water cooler. Then I discovered AfterBuzzTV.com. AfterBuzzTV produces after-show webcasts and podcasts for TV series of all kinds, like post-game wrap-up shows for all your favorite TV shows. AfterBuzzTV hosts are industry insiders who break down episodes of shows, take calls from fans, and interview cast and crew from each series with over 60 different after-shows, from Boardwalk Empire to American Idol to Vampire Diaries to Real Housewives and more. 
Now, after a night of TV, I can ignore my stupid co-workers, who I hate, and go straight to my desk and watch or listen to all my favorite AfterBuzz TV after shows and have all the TV fan interaction I need. Thank you, AfterBuzz TV. AfterBuzz TV. What do you want to buzz about? Okay, so we're back, and Jason found us a little golden nugget of a story for news, and uh, E-Online had a chance to talk with After Jennifer Moore. TV news. Ooh, that came out of nowhere. So, uh, Jennifer Morrison was at the uh, Critics, Critics uh, Television Critics Association Winter Conference, which I wish I was at, out in L.A., and uh, during the ABC party, E-Online grabbed a little uh, couple seconds with Jennifer to talk about a new love interest. Take it away, Jason who happens to be the mysterious stranger that we saw at the very end of tonight's episode. We obviously don't know who he is, and that brings us to, of course, Henry during the, um, said several times that no one ever comes to Storybrooke, no one ever visits, no strangers ever come, and Emma's like, I thought... And Henry says, so, is he a stranger, or is he a character? that just perhaps has returned, awakened, or what? Got a cocky attitude, too. When Emma, you know, he pulled in and he was looking for a place to stay, and then Emma's like, well, you didn't give me your name, and he's like, yeah, I didn't give it. And so he's kind of got a little attitude. Uh, the actor is Ian Bailey, who you might know if you see him. He looks very familiar. He's obviously a very handsome guy. He's coming in to replace the sheriff as far as the sexy, rugged, uh, scruffy guy. He's from Fight Club. He's the one that um, Brad Pitt made stand outside um and like seven days there's like a couple like seven or eleven nights something like that in, in fight club to enter the house he joins in with like jared leto and meatloaf to be part of that that mischievous team he's also ben mercer from covert affairs who um isn't, he kind of plays a major role but he really wasn't in many episodes he was like the kind of jason Bourne. he was cut off in the or he went rogue from the cia and blah 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 but He's got a little bit of pedigree. He's been in a couple things, and uh, he should be an interesting character to watch because obviously he's there for a reason, which, you know, we'll see what happens and why he's there. And I think Meredith had another uh, yes. news. Examiner.com interviewed Jennifer Goodwin for um, an upcoming Jennifer episode. Jennifer Goodwin is? Is Snow White. Snow White. Snow White. For... Um, Episode 11, I believe. It's like two weeks, yeah, I think it's two weeks down the road. Yeah, we're going to see. Fruit of the Poisonous Tree episode. And there's a few spoiler picks uh, on the website. The father is going to be played by Richard Schiff. Who we know from West Wing and Burn Notice. He's a very, very reputable actor. Yes, the father before, before he died. So yeah. it's the father. Um, she basically says that we're going to see a very dark side of Snow White, that she has some wretched parts to her history, and there's going to be some pretty massive obstacles put between Snow White and Prince Charming. So that should be interesting. Didn't you think she's, in the, she's been throwing scripts at the wall? She's been so mad about the Snow White, you know, wretched background? Yes. She says that we are going to learn things, and they're not pretty. And I think I saw Meredith when she was reading this throw her laptop at the wall, which is a little, a little much to show. It's okay. You, you can relax. You and, you and Jennifer can go to like anger management classes. 
it actually makes sense because she, she does come across as such a sweet, sweet person in Storybrooke. So I can totally see there being a little dark side to her. Not so innocent as she seems. There's obviously a reason the queen... This brings us back to obviously the queen hates her for a serious, serious reason. And we're going to find that out. So, again sticking through with the lost trend, sticking through with the once upon a time trend, they make you feel a little bit bad for the evil people in there. You don't completely hate them. Well, not always. The blind witch, did you completely not hate her? She made a tree out of Godiva-dipped Oreos. I'm sorry, I feel bad for her. Delicious. Yeah, but she did that so she could lure you so she could eat you. (laughs) She was sexy, so I'm agreeing to disagree with you on this one. Do you think we'll see her backstory, the blonde witch? Why she eats children? (laughs) I think that's a stretch. I don't think we're going to see her. Well, actually, um, we forgot about the queen is the one who burned her. Yes, it's pretty interesting, too. Queen's the one that killed her. But um, actually, Emma says in the article that we were looking at, she says that everyone in the fairy tale world has a counterpart in Storybrooke. So even the blind witch would have a counterpart. Now we may never see her on screen in the real world, in the Storybrooke, but she does have a um, counterpart. So that must mean Ian Bailey or the mysterious stranger must have some kind of counterpart too. Well, if he's a character of a fairy, we don't know who what he is though yet. It, well, you said yeah. I wonder if it's vice versa. Like you said, everyone fairy tale. Has counterpart in Storybrooke. Does everyone in Storybrooke have a counterpart in Fairy Tale? Yes. I was I actually wish, yeah. wondering the pharmacist in the opening scene what his counterpart would be. Or Mr. K at the office clerk. So there's two characters tonight that we don't know who their counterparts are. But I believe because Henry, obviously, he says that everyone has a counterpart. That's pretty interesting. Except Emma, of course. Well, Emma does too, but she's a baby. And we, <laughs> and we saw that. Uh, Jennifer Morrison likes to say lovely, lovely, lovely a lot about her co-workers. Henry would be the only one without a counterpart. Yeah, well, Henry and Emma, I guess, because they're just like the two... Well, no, Emma is, you know, she was born in the fairy tale world. Yeah. But yeah, she doesn't really have a counterpart, though. She's herself. Sure. She got snuck out. Well, they're, but they're all themselves, theoretically. Yeah, you're right. They're all themselves. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right. Because in, in the fairy tale world, she'd be like the princess, and yeah. Be, yeah. But now she's not. She's a new fairy tale. So yeah, you're right. Well, I wonder though who. Um, I, I would wonder, not be surprised I, if Henry had a counterpart, some random like weird counterpart. Yeah, you know, with Lost, you never know. Yeah. Like you could have a some strange counterpart. Well, I, I think what will happen. Um, at some point, if it lasts, you know, several seasons, is we might see like <clears throat> we might we may see something like a, a f- um, flash forward where we see what 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 happened to these characters if the evil queen Ooh, had not have, love that. had not placed the curse, and I guarantee Ooh. that it wouldn't have been happily ever after as everyone thinks that it should have it would have been naturally happily ever after if the queen hadn't. I love curve. that. We'll see. And we'll see that. I'm sure. And that way, we will get to see Emma as a fairy tale character rather than just um, her real world counterpart. We'll probably see at some point too, if that comes into play, why it's necessary for this to happen, which always happens in those what if kind of scenarios. 
Or like maybe Henry's a brat and he's not the nice, right. fun kid he was. And, you know, when they always show, I think those like Christmas shows they show where like if you weren't around and he's like, I wish I was never born and then blah, blah, blah. And they always show like what would have happened, like bad stuff and why, you know, why even, why even struggle can lead to good things and, you know, things like that. Wait, so. That's so perfect. Henry as the evil prince. Yeah. He grows up to be the evil prince and like just, you know, off with their heads, off with their heads, you know, and just it's so, so arrogant and bratty and just evil. That'd be awesome. That'd be amazing. That would be awesome. So we want to finish up with predictions? Well, actually, oh, so, sorry. I think, um, what was your, I think we should go around our favorite moments of the tonight's episode. Yeah. Favorite moments of tonight's episode. Mike? Mm. Wow, that's that's a tough question. Uh, I'll have to go with. I'm gonna pull some heartstrings. I like I like the end when the father came back and, you know, saw the kid and took him back and it's the first thing that pops into mind for some reason. Boring, yes, but also I like the Mr. Gold part where it was like ding ding ding. He knows that was you know one of my favorite parts. I wouldn't say boring, Mike. I would say sensitive. Um, and we'll leave it at that. I'm more, I'm more than meets the eye, Jason. More than meets the eye. We'll leave it at sensitive. I actually liked when we found out that the queen was the one to take the woodcutter, and she kind of planned the whole thing, and the whole tear, tear in the eye. Mm-hmm. We found that she, she does have a heart once again, for a glimpse, glimpse into her heart. I loved when she was um, showing her badass magic and, you know, using her, her abilities and whatnot to... Um, to stop the children, and I think of, I can't wait to see more of that. I can't wait to see her really get into a, a, a hardcore battle with another fairy tale character. So, with that, I will say let's move on to predictions. Now, you're after Buzz TV predictions. Wow, we could go many different places with this because there's just so many different things that could happen. I'll kick it off with the, my predictions. I think we're going to see next week the background of the Seven Dwarfs. Obviously, Snow White's coming back. They showed the, the preview. I think we'll actually focus on the Seven Dwarfs a little bit more because in the story, you read the story today. You were doing some research. They really don't go into where they came from. And I think ABC likes to fill those in those gaps to make these supporting characters more important. And I think we'll see, you know, why Grumpy's Grumpy and why this guy, you know, that way. I think they'll make them interesting. So I think we're going to see that coming up soon. They actually didn't look like dwarfs in the previous. The little people, I think, is the politically correct term. I'm sorry. I don't think they looked like they looked of regular height. Well, I think if they're, but in the real world, are they going to use real dwarves or will they be just children? I don't know because in the one of the scenes, the original, yeah. um, there was there was one we had the guy from the jailhouse, the guy from Pirates of the Caribbean, yeah, the little short guy that plays one of like the the pillagers in the first Pirates of the Caribbean, and. He he was one of the dwarfs. Like he was grumpy, I think. I think in the second episode. He was, yeah, he was in jail with Emma when Emma got arrested. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so this is a little little far fetched, but I'm thinking and why we do this and hoping that the stranger is Rumple's son. Ooh. Just because he had such a presence and almost arrogance to him, which in the backstory last week he was much. Unlike Rumple in the story, he was brave and tough and looked down a little on his father. So I'm hoping maybe maybe that'll be a son. Ooh, that's good. Well, I 
I will go and say that maybe the stranger is Henry's father. And why wouldn't him have recognized her own love interest? Maybe he had surgeries or something. He was in a fire and reconstructive surgery. Who knows? But I'm going to go with uh, he could be the father, Henry's father. That's who I immediately thought. Or maybe he had a brain transplant, like on soap operas. <laughs> Lobotomy, yes. Perhaps. So that leaves us off. And thanks for listening. From producers Kevin Undergaro and Phil Svitek, engineer DJ Jesse Janity, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. If you have questions or comments, be sure to buzz us at info at AfterBuzzTV.com. And you can find us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter by searching for AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. Hey guys. Hey. Great job. That was excellent. Thanks, man. Yeah, I don't watch the show, but I'm definitely. I think I'm going to start. That was really good. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right, so I'll uh, so thanks, and uh, yeah, I'm sure Phil will talk to you guys soon. Yeah, I think we're calling back in an hour for Pan Am. So oh, you're doing we'll Pan Am. Okay, soon. so you'll be right back at it. So, I, thanks again, man. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, thank you, guys. Talk to you later.